Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Jeremiah 29. If you're learning a way around the Bible, know this, that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And the Old Testament starts with Genesis. It's the very first part of the Bible. And uh, Jeremiah is in the Old Testament. Now, I'm not going to give you all of the books of the Bible to get you there, but I'm going to tell you this, that Jeremiah is a few books after Psalms and Proverbs. So you go to, if you go to Psalms and a few books after that, Psalms, Proverbs, and then um, uh, Song of Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, uh, and that kind of thing. And then, and then somewhere along the line is Isaiah, and then after Isaiah is Jeremiah, and then, uh, and then after Jeremiah is Lamentations. So if you, get, if you get to Isaiah, you're almost there. If you get to Lamentations, you've gone too far. Don't stop to lament. Get back to Jeremiah. And so anyway, <laughs> Jeremiah, some of you got it. And, and you're like, no, no, we got it. It just wasn't funny. So... Um, but Jeremiah 29, there's a verse in here that a lot of us are familiar with. You see it written down on a lot of things. And it's this, it says, in, um, it, it says, uh, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And so, you know, and, you know, and I like that verse. And some people are like, well, you don't understand the context. Yeah, I understand the context of it. It was, it was given to them while they were in captivity, but it's not a negative verse. It's God speaking to them while they're in captivity. So, um, so don't quit wishing that for people or praying it over them. But, you know, wishing is probably not a good term. But anyway, don't quit praying that for people. And, uh, and so these are just some things that God is speaking to his people while they're in captivity. But I don't think it's unique to that or exclusive to that because I think it reveals some of the heart of God and some of his character. And so I want to talk to you for just a few minutes today about prayer. Now, I, I will tell you that these messages challenge me because they're not the kind of message that you go, Yes, you know that you leave like that ah, was so good and that kind of thing. It's kind of thought provoking. It's convicting, and I, and I mean we need that. But um, but you know it's just you know so if you're here for the first time, you're like that was kind of sobering or that wasn't really exciting or anything like that. Well, I, I get it, but we're talking about prayer, and again, I think it's such an essential thing to us as believers. It's such an important thing. It's it's one of the things that's connected with our spiritual health. That you know that there's a there's a an indication with what my prayer life looks like and what my relationship with God looks like. So anyway, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, we'll start with that. It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days, when you pray, now it doesn't say if you pray, it says when you pray. When you pray, I will listen. When you pray, I will listen. Or just know this, when you pray, God will hear you. He'll listen to you. Now, I will just say, if you prayed enough, there have been times where I prayed and I felt like, man, I don't, I don't know if God heard me. No, he said that when you pray, he'll, he'll listen. He'll hear you. He'll hear you. And then it goes on to say this, I will listen. If you look for me, everybody say, look for me. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. So he said, if you pray, I'll listen. And if you look for me, You'll find me. So I just want to give you some things like what, core, what prayer really is kind of at its core. And, and here's the first thing is that, is that prayer is pursuit. It's pursuit. Now, prayer basically overall, if, you, if somebody said you can only give a one word definition of what prayer is, I would say this, that in reality, it's a conversation with God. It's a conversation. Some of you say, well, Pastor, I don't know if I know how to pray. Well, have you ever talked to God? Well, yeah, but oh, okay, that's prayer. It is? Yes. You mean I don't have to say thee and thou and all those kind of things? Well, yeah, I mean, you can, but I don't want him to look at you and go, now, who are you again? You know, I mean, you, know, you, go, you want to talk to him like you are. You, know, you want to be yourself as you go into his presence and 
talk with him. But an element of that, sorry, an, an element of that is that it, it says, he says, if you look for me, that's, that's an intentional thing, isn't it? Looking for him, seeking him. Is it intentional? It's, it's, it's me making a move. It's me making a step. And so prayer at its core, number one, number one is this, is that prayer is pursuit. It's pursuing him, pursuing his presence, pursuing his voice, you know. And, and again, when we understand this, that prayer is a conversation, that there is this pursuit that takes place, this relationship that happens. And he says, if you look for me, you will find me. There's, there's another verse. You don't have to turn there, but I'll, you can write it down. James 4, 8. And it says this, come close to God and God will come close to you. In other words, you make that move that he, he leans back in. He doesn't lean away. Come close to God and he will come close to you. If you look for me, you, you'll find me. If you'll look for me, you'll find me. And so to understand that, that um, he said, you know, when you look for me, you'll find me. Now, yeah, I think about this in our own lives, and you can always tell what matters for me because matters for me because that's what I'm looking for. Right? I mean, have you, have you ever misplaced a kid before? Anybody ever misplaced a kid before? You're like, oh, yeah, they, you know, a couple of years ago, I, they'll, they'll turn up at some point. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, we've had those moments, right, where it's like, you know, and I've shared this story, but, you know, many years ago, uh, when we still lived in New Mexico, we, Tina's from California, and so we wanted to go see her family, and so we took the kids to the beach, and, you know, there's like people everywhere on the beach, man, just all these, all these people out there, and and, uh, and so I told him, I said, look, if you, you, know, if you ever find yourself where you've kind of wandered and you got distracted, just look for the blue canopy, all right? We'll be at the blue canopy. That way you'll know where you are. So we're there for an hour, two hours or whatever. And all of a sudden we realized Daniel's not around. And so we're looking for Daniel. And you always have that comforting relative that tells you how many, how many crimes have been committed at the beach that you're at. <laughs> yeah, you better find him because there's like, you know, there's been uh, so many things happened as far as, you know, there was this assault that took place here yesterday could you go comfort somebody else? You know, I mean, it's how you, what you feel like saying. And so I remember we're looking for him. I mean, I didn't look at Tina and go, hey, look at the bright side. We came here with three. We're leaving with two. You know, that's not failing. You know, it's still, we're still good or whatever. You know? And so, uh, you know, but I mean, no, we looked for him because he mattered to us. Eventually he comes with this look of terror on his face, probably because he recognized the look of concern on mine, and then when I saw him, it switched to anger. <laughs> I'm so glad you're okay. Why didn't you look for the blue canopy? And I looked down the beach, and there's like a hundred blue canopies down the beach. And he, in reality, he, in reality, um, didn't, uh, you know, had actually went up to one of those canopies because there was family they'd never seen before. He's like, oh, I think this is ours. He's kind of walking up, hanging around. He's like, I don't see my mom and dad anywhere. And so then he had to, he had to leave, and I got, but we looked for him. And, and so, you know, again, to understand this, that we, you know, we, that we pursue God, it's we look for him. We look for him. That's what, what prayer is. Prayer is pursuit. It's me leaning into that moment with him. It's not an indifferent moment. It's pursuit. And, and having confidence that when I pray, he hears me. He hears me, and that when I draw near to him, he, draw, he draws near to me. It's such an important thing, you know, because 
you know, he draws, he draws near, you know, you've probably experienced before where you've, we've wanted a friendship with somebody, a relationship with somebody, you've leaned in and they didn't lean back, they leaned away. Well, God doesn't do that. When you, when you pursue him, when you look for him, you'll find him. Look for him, it's on purpose. On purpose, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm looking, I, I'm, I wanna look for you in your direction in this place in my life. I, I wanna look for you and how you want me to respond here. I, I want to look for you in what's taking place and what I'm supposed to do. I want to look for you in that. I'm pursuing you. And so number one is this, is that prayer, prayer is pursuit. It's pursuing God. And when you do that, he says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. Look, look at number two, if you would go with me to Mark chapter one. Now, Mark's in the New Testament. So there's Matthew and then Mark. Mark chapter 1, Jesus had just begun his ministry. That first chapter is pretty cool. There are just some things that took place there. And, you know, he'd called some people into the ministry. And then God, you know, there'd just been some miracles that had taken place. And then that day comes to an end. And they all go to bed. And it says this, that after that day that's mentioned there, the next day, Mark 1, 35, it says this, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place. Everybody say Isolated. Went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So it says he went out to an isolated place. Well, here's the other thing about prayer. Not only is prayer pursuit, but prayer requires separation. Separation. Now, I'm not saying that you have to go to an isolated place like Hey, I'll see you guys. I'll be gone for a few days. Where are you going to go? You don't need to know. I'm just kind of going to go out here and, and uh, I don't want to be around you people because I'm going to pray. I mean, it's not that. You can't have moments like that, but I mean, that's not our daily thing. But there's a separation that takes place with it. In other words, that for me to pray, and again, because it's, and we'll talk about it being relational here in just a minute, there's an engaging that takes place that I have to separate. I have to separate. Now, I, I know that back then that, you know, humanity's always had distractions, but I'll just be real honest with you. I don't think there's been a time in the history of humanity there have been more distractions than what we have right now. You can't even get on your Bible for crying out loud without stuff, on your Bible app, without stuff popping up on your, on your phone, right? I mean, <laughs> things pop up on your phone and you're like, I, I go over there to read a chapter and the next thing you know, I spent the last hour watching reels. Oh, hey, that's funny. Hey, uh, I got to send that to my family yeah, and stuff. Hey, why did I get over here anyway? Oh, yeah, I was going to look for that verse. I have time now. There's just these distractions, right? Or, or something on social media pops up or something in the news. I, you know, I was talking with somebody the other day, and they said this. I thought it was kind of an interesting point. They said, probably wouldn't be bad for us from time to time to just, you know, to just kind of set our phone aside, our, our tablets aside, and just, you know, sometimes just use through the Bible the old-fashioned way where it's a, just a book that we look at so I'm not getting 13 texts pulled up because I don't I think it's almost like the enemy is strategic in that I won't have anything going on until all of a sudden that you know that I'm getting ready to read the Bible off my phone or whatever it's also like Sooners Land four-star commitment oh yeah well, I got to look at that okay I got to go see see what that is you know and, and so um you know, just so these distractions that take our place that are always vying. It's probably, in some ways, it's one of the biggest challenges for me personally. It, maybe for some of you too, right, as well, that one of the biggest challenges you have is that you start out with this intention and then all of these distractions take place. Well, even before they had cell phones and internet and streaming TV, 
Jesus had just had this, <clears throat> this huge day of ministry where people's stories were changed. <clears throat> and so he probably had to be specific and intentional about when he did this and where he did it. Because as soon as, the, as soon as everybody else was up, they're looking for him. So he isolated himself. And, and for us, for our prayer life to be healthy, to really engage, that there's, there's got to be this willingness to separate. You know, some people say, well, I pray on my way, way to work. And so I know a lot of times people say, oh, I, I turn, my, turn my phone off I, I, or I turn my uh, radio off and that, that kind of thing. It's going like, just, I'd say, hey, just do us a favor. Don't close your eyes while you're praying. But, the, um, but you know, there's, there's this separation that has to take place. There was another time where Jesus had this moment in Matthew 14, 23. He just fed like thousands of people. And it says, after sitting them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Ever say alone. So prayer really, in, you know, to understand some, some ingredients for it, one is there's a pursuit to it. God, I just, I just want to lean into you. And then there's this separation that says, God, I, I just don't want to be distracted by anything in my life right now, anything in my world. You know, when we get ready to, as we're doing 21 days of prayer, one of the things we've encouraged people, and I, I think it's good to do that again, is that to look at something in our life that we're like, okay, for the next 21 days, this thing that's normally a part of my life, I'm going to limit it or set it aside. And during that time, instead of doing that, I'm going to pray. It's an element, a form of fasting. When we think about fasting, people typically think about not eating, you know, during, and that you can do that. That's one of the things you can do. Or I know one year, I've, different people, I know Christine did this one, one year, and that is, is that, you know, she just said, I'm, for the next 21 days, I'm not going to do social media. Well, there's, there's that that goes on, but it's, it's, a, it's separating yourself. It's saying this moment, at this time, I'm, I'm going to pray and so I'm not distracted, so I'm not pulled away from it, or I'm not just kind of halfway in. Because sometimes, you know, I, I, I start out, you know, intending to be fully committed and then get distracted. But I'll just be real transparent. There's other times where I have this sense of obligation to pray, and I go in half committed. And I've done that in my, you know, I've done that in other conversations too. Like, you know, so I could see where that would happen where, I'm, you know, if you watch me, I'd be praying, but my mind is here. And so prayer requires this separation. It requires this, this you know, getting apart and, and being separated from that. Um, I, I'm not going to have you answer this out loud, but it's just a question. I think it's good for us to ask these kind of questions of ourselves because then we can confront those things in our lives personally. What, what's, what's the biggest distractor in your life from, from things like prayer. Again, don't answer out loud, but just think about it for a minute. And, and again, it's, it's probably something that you don't need to get rid of forever, but you just need to have that moment or that time in your day where its ability to distract you is uh, eliminated. Jesus, you know, his... The distraction he had was the demands of people. So what did he do? He separated himself from their presence for a period. He went, he went to the mountain after he'd ministered to them all day long and knew the next day he's going to be ministering to that night. 
He's separated from them. He was up, he was up there alone, isolated, praying. I think it's in Luke, we have another account where he did that, and after he does that, he, he comes back down after spending this time in prayer alone and begins to call out the apostles. You're going to be an apostle, you're going to be an apostle, he begins to call out the 12. That took place after a time in prayer of isolating himself. And, and again, man, I think one of the great challenges that, that I think, and there may be some of you here that accept it, but I think for most of us, I, I know for me, and again, sometimes people say, it's almost like you're talking to me. Well, it's probably because I think I deal with the same issues most of you deal with. But this is, this is a challenge for me, that there's just so many distractions around me. Sometimes it's my own interest. Sometimes it's just an issue of all of a sudden, this is the time that the enemy comes along and goes, well, you said you were going to do so-and-so. You're going to do this. You haven't, you haven't talked to them in a while. I wonder how they're doing and, and all those kind of things. And sometimes you just have to put that on the brakes and go, I, I can do that when I'm done here. I got to do this first. But it's on purpose. It's just like pursuing him. If you seek me. In other words, I'm not bumping into God just in this moment, but I'm like, God, I'm going to look for you in this. Prayer, that's, that's when it's real prayer, that's an ingredient of it. I'm seeking him. And then a real ingredient, a real necessity of it is that I'm, I've separated myself from the things that can be a distraction in my life while I'm taking this moment or these minutes to pray. And so it's such an important thing that prayer requires separation. It requires me to, to set apart that time to, to turn off the TV, to lay down my iPhone, to lay down you know, to get away from social media, to, to, you know, to find a, a quiet place, a, an alone place where I'm on purpose seeking God. It's, there's a powerful thing in that. I, I will tell you that the most significant seasons of prayer I've had are when I've done that. That's been the common things about it. That I've, I've I didn't, you know, nobody was coming along and taking me and saying, you're going to go pray. It was, it was just, uh, okay, I'm setting aside this time. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything outside of praying this next, however much time that is. So prayer requires separation. After seeing him home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. So separation. Let's look at number three and we'll close with this. Go with me if you would to Matthew 6. You're in Mark. Matthew is the book before Mark. Matthew 6. Now, Jesus is actually, this is Jesus talking. He's talking about prayer here for just a minute. Matthew 6, verse 7. He said, when, this is Jesus. He said, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. And again, you know, what are Gentiles? Anybody that wasn't a Jew was a Gentile. Um, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Then He said this, pray like this. 
And he's getting ready to give the, the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you were raised around the Lord's Prayer, you, you know, you heard it in the King James. And so it sounds a little different in the New Living Translation, but it's kind of, but he starts out with the very same words. And he says, pray like this, start out with this, our Father in heaven. So, so the very first place that it begins with is the acknowledgement of relationship. You say, well, who's God the Father of? He's the Father of anyone that's made Jesus the Lord of their life. That's received Jesus as their Savior, that we enter into sonship with him when we do that. We become children of God at that point. And so it starts out with relationship, our Father in heaven. And again, we've talked about this. He doesn't say my Father, he says our and one of the things letting us know that we're not in this ourselves, but I think also another thing noting that we have a relationship with him and that also, and it's a family relationship, also that we have a relationship with anybody else that's acknowledged Jesus and made Jesus the Lord of their life, that we're brothers and sisters. And so prayer doesn't begin with this. It doesn't begin with our behavior. Well, as soon as I get good enough, I can pray. You're not, you're not going there because you're good enough. You're going there because he's your father. He's a good father. Any parent in here that, that you're in a, if you're healthy and you're in a healthy place with your kids, if they're in a healthy place and you're healthy, then that conversation with them is it's, you know, it's cherished. You, know, you cherish it. As I get older, you know, I know sometimes my kids will say, what do you want for your birthday? And I say, I just want you to be with me. If you want to get me stuff, that's great. But I want you to be with me. I just want to spend time with you. So an ingredient of prayer is that you know, we pursue and that also that there's, it requires separation, but also it starts with relationship. Now, I, I say this unapologetically every week because we need to hear it. There are people that are here for the first time that need to hear this. That Jesus didn't come to earth because humanity needed another religion. He came so we could have a relationship with him and with the Father. And what is the key ingredient of relationship? Communication. Well, I just have this relationship with God. When's the last time you talked to him? And again, I don't say that to shame you. And it's, it's not like it's a contest. Well, the one that talks the most to God wins. No, no, no. But, but we do know it's, it would be like, it's not the most, you know, it's not like, can I talk to my wife more than she can talk to me? And the answer to that question is no. And so, but, but you know, that there's, <laughs> and I know some of you are going to tell me, you'll never guess what your husband said about you today. Snitches get stitches. Anyway, but here's, so, uh, who said that to you? So, but, but in order, you know, it's not about quantity, but there is, you know, the healthy relationship has communication in it. Jesus was talking here, he said, you know, the Gentiles, they pray, they just kind of keep repeating their prayers. In other words, they were done out of religious obligation. When we're here, we do this. And, you know, and I'm not saying that there's, you know, like if the tradition of your family, like when I was growing up, we had a prayer that we prayed all the time over our meal, come Lord Jesus and be our guest. Let thy gifts to us be blessed. I mean, how many of you ever prayed that prayer whenever, over your food? Some of you did, some of you didn't grow up in the right house. Anyway, so... <laughs> But you know, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But our prayer life has to consist of real conversation. And again, all relationships require communication. It's amazing sometimes when we do like surveys, like what's the thing that your marriage, what's the thing you struggle with most in your marriage? Communication. 
So even to have a healthy marriage, there's got to be communication. That Healthy friendships have to have that. Things that, you know, it's like, and, you know, like you said, well, I haven't talked to my wife in a long time. Oh, are you guys not married anymore? I know we've been married for 12 years. You know, I mean, you can, you can be married, but the relationship isn't healthy because there's no communication, conversation that takes place in there. Your relationship with God is the same way. Again, because it's not religious. It's relational. That's why your vocabulary doesn't change from a standpoint you're not using 16th century English. You're showing up and telling him the best way you know how, I love you. My life is yours. God, I need your help here. God, forgive me for doing this. I want to do better here. God, what do you want me to do in this situation? God, you're worthy of being honored, man. You just mean so much to me. I'm just so grateful, Jesus, for what you've done for me, how you've rescued me from darkness. God, I'm going through this really hard season in my life, and I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. God, I, God, I, don't, I don't know where you're at. I mean, it's all of those things that take place because it's a relationship. That this conversation, you're like, I don't know how to pray. If you know how to talk, you do. Our Father. Our Father on my best day and our Father on my worst day. I don't approach him based upon my goodness or how well I'm doing. I approach him because out of his goodness, he sent Jesus. You know, when we think about this, you know, hey, if we draw near to him, he draws near to him. Why do I have to make the first move? You're not making the first move. You're making the second. He made the first when he sent Jesus. And so... He made that first move into humanity, into this dark world, into my dark life. And said, Jesus, and when I respond to him and I lean in, I pursue him, that he leans back. And then, because it's a relationship that there's, that conversation requires kind of a setting apart. A separation where it's like, right now, that all I want to know is what you want. All all I want to do is let you know how much I love you. All I want to do is, is just spend time with you. Or God, you're the only one that can help me. Nobody else can help me. I just need you, Jesus. And that starts with relationship. It's not behavior. It's not social standing. It's not ethnicity. It's not wealth. It's not any of those things. It's, are you his child? To your father. That's, that's where it begins. Are you a child of your father? So again, how does that happen? You make Jesus the Lord of your life and you're forgiven. You become a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away and all things become new. And you become a child of God in that moment. You enter into relationship. Yeah, but then after that, does that mean I never blow it again? Oh no, you'll blow it. I can attest to that. What do I do on those days? He's still your father. So you're praying because you're in relationship with him, so you go to him. You're not showing up, hey God, I'm showing up to you because I'm doing good today. No. I'm showing up because you're my father. That's where kids go. I remember my kids when they were little. You know, and, I, and we had rules and boundaries and stuff like that, I, you know, enforcement. But, I, you know, I just, I remember one day 
that, you know, kids when they're little, like sometimes when they get hurt, like you'll hear a thud or something in your other room, and there's always a moment of silence. You know, like, and you're like, ah, you know. So you're in the other room, you're listening, you know, that moment of silence, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, okay, so you go in there. And I remember, <laughs> I remember one day, you know, they're, they're jumping up and down on the bed, so like, I went, hey, stop that. Stop jumping up and down on the bed. Okay. Well, I'm in the other room, and I'm like, I'm like, was that somebody jumping up and down? Somebody's lost their mind. And so, you know, so I'm like, there's fixing the consequences of getting ready to get paid. But before I got in there, I heard this thud. And we had the moment of silence. Ah! So I go in, and this is really going to surprise you. It was, it was not David. It was Ashley. It was Ashley. And, and even though she had been disobedient, I, I didn't grab her and go, that's it. You're getting your rear end tanked right now, you know? No, I, I, right, I wanted her to be okay. And she saw me. And even though she knows that her dad was the guy that, you know, that I would correct you. But in that moment, she knew that correction wasn't the issue. She saw me and she got up and she ran towards me. Not because she'd been obedient, but because she trusted the heart of her father. So prayer is that. It's, it's pursuing him. It's... it's it's wanting that relationship to be healthy. And so, you know, I, I've tried having a marriage with communication where I've got one ear listening to my wife and one ear listening to the football game. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. No, man, there are times where I, I have to ask her to give me a few minutes so I can watch. No, I... I, I <laughs> There are times, man, I've got to turn the TV off and just engage, just engage so that there's real communication. Well, that's the same thing in our relationship with God, that there's this separation that takes place that right now, this gets none of my attention. Right now, I'm not going to be distracted by this at all. Whatever I've got to do to limit, its, to limit or eliminate its distraction, I'm going to do. If it means turn the phone off. It means set aside for this next few minutes. This is just going to be me and God. But then... I go to him not, not because I deserve it, not because I'm good enough. I go to him because when I gave my life to Jesus, I became his child. I became a child of God. And on my worst day, he doesn't disown me. So when I go to him, it's on my good day, Father, I'm just so grateful. Thank you for being so good to me on my worst day. Father, I'm just so grateful that you still love me. I'm so grateful that you haven't given up on me. I'm so grateful I still get to walk with you and I'm sorry and that he forgives me because it's not religious. It's not just this mechanical thing that's taken place, but it's a relationship where this loving father is watching his broken, imperfect son growing, and sometimes growing through things, sometimes growing past things, and sometimes making the same mistake that I made yesterday. But I can still pray because I pray with him, to him, 
Not because I'm perfect, because I'm not, but because he's my father. And he's a good father. And so number three is this, is that prayer starts with relationship. I want you to just, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Man, I want us to spend a moment with God. One of the things, this is the first Sunday of the year. And so I want you to um, just, you know, make a commitment that just kind of consecrate this year. Let this Sunday, this first day of the week, that it's just, you know, God, just as I honored you today by being here, you know, as the first fruit is holy, the, the whole lump is holy. But just let the rest of my year be blessed as we set this day apart. And then one of the commitments I've made, I wrote down some goals, and one of them was I, I wanted prayer to be more part of my life this year, more part of my walk this year. And so maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit deals with you about things like that. Let's just set aside a moment. Just let the Holy Spirit just speak to us. Let, let God give us God thoughts in this moment. So let's just spend a moment with God.